for a while. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, actually, we're going to look at the last part of it this morning. The book of Ephesians is written by Paul. Paul writes to encourage these people and help them understand some things. So he spends chapters 1 through 3 talking about their position in Christ. And then he's going to spend chapters 4 through 6 talking about how that applies to life. And so there's a lot to be learned in, that, uh, in this little book. And we're just going through it section by section. Uh, Paul wants you to understand and he wants these people to understand that when God saved you, he did a whole lot more than you, you realize. <clears throat> he talked in chapter one about the idea of what God did, that God blessed you and God adopted you and God chose you. He talked about how Jesus um, redeemed you and forgave you and blessed you. He talked about how the Holy Spirit helps you to understand God and his word and how he seals you. Then he spends a, a good portion then of, of, of chapter two at the beginning of it talking about how you were before you came to Christ and how God has made you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins and then you became alive in Christ. And he talks about the idea that you were saved by grace through faith and not, not of yourselves. It was God's gift to you. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage at the end of chapter two where Paul starts to help them understand some things about what you and I know as the church. And yet he doesn't enter, he doesn't tie it to that, that, that word um, in, in this passage, but that's who he's talking about. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter two, and here's, here's what the verse says. Um, it's found at the, this is the last uh, section of chapter two, and it says this, consequently, so based on everything we've talked about at this point, you are no longer foreigners or stranger, and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two who are being built together become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So let's just walk through it. He says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. And, and they are very, very different. The foreigner has the idea of somebody who was uh, living in the area, but was, did not enjoy the rights and privileges of that. A stranger was somebody who wasn't living in the area. So what Paul says is you need to understand that prior to your salvation, when it came to things of God, you were a foreigner and a stranger and just trying to figure your way out. Um, and, and he lays this out. You have to understand it in this culture. So let's go back to that time. Let's say you and I were living at the time this was written. You need to understand that, that in that culture, there were, no matter who you were with, there were usually always two groups of people. So if you were a Jew, you were considered part of God's people. The only other group in the world at that time, as far as you were concerned, were Gentiles. You were either a Jew or a Gentile. If you were a Greek person in that, in that culture, um, you were either Greek or their term was barbarian. So in other words, you were either a Greek or a barbarian. There were only two classes. Of people. When the Romans started to take over, the Romans liked the idea of the barbarians. So the Roman people became known as civilized people, and everyone else was the uncivilized people or the barbarians. So in this culture, they always saw people in one of two groups. When Paul gets to this passage, and you're going to see this again as he goes throughout the book of Ephesians, but when Paul gets to this passage, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? There's more than two groups. There's a third group. 
And that would be you guys. That would be Christians. We would know it as the church. And Paul starts to introduce this idea of this new group. Because you see, in, 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 in this culture, in, in the way it was, the Jews, if you were converted into Judaism, even though you were a Jew, you were considered a second-class Jew. Um, they still saw you in these, in these groups. Um, and so Paul says, look, you need to understand, you were a stranger to God. You were a foreigner. But now God has changed you and put you into this new third group, this new third category of people. And he describes these people for us. You and I would know it as a church. Notice what he said. He says, first of all, he said, you are fellow citizens. So right off the bat, one of the things that Paul says is, you now belong to a different kingdom. You need to understand, you're citizens of a different kingdom now. When you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we were no longer part of Satan's kingdom. We are now part of God's kingdom. If you're part of God's kingdom, then who is the king? God. So who does that mean I now am responsible to? God. Who does that mean I now take orders from? God. Listen, this is important for us to understand. When God saved you, he took you from Satan's kingdom, where Satan is king, and put you in God's kingdom, made you a citizen of God's kingdom, and now God is your king. Okay? Now, I want this to sink in because we miss this. Okay? Because we... What do we do now? We look at, we look at, here's what's happening in our culture right now. Okay? Paul's saying, look, the church is part of God's kingdom. It's not part of this kingdom. This kingdom has a different ruler. Okay? So let me drive this home a little bit. Culturally, our culture out there, which kingdom is it of? Our culture's over here. Who's its king? Satan. Okay? The church, God's people, are part of which kingdom? God's kingdom. So who do they take their cue from? God. So here's a question. Why is the church taking cues from what is culturally or politically correct? Why are we taking our cues from that kingdom? Our king is God. So therefore, we take our cues not based on what the culture is doing, because that's a different kingdom, but based on what God as our king tells us to do. You go, well, well, well yeah, but you know, then they're not going to like us. Is that my job? My job is to represent God's kingdom. And God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom are different. They have different kings. They have different standards. They have different rules. They have different purposes. They have different emphases. And Paul says, you are fellow citizens with God's people right now. You are of a different group now. Not that group over there anymore. And then notice what he goes on to say. And then he says, and members of his household. He says, not only do you have a different king, you are now part of a different family. 
Paul says, let me tell you about what this third group is like. This third group, the church, is a different kingdom. They have a different king. And they are to be a family. They are to function like a family. And he says, you are members of that household. God, who is your king, is also your father. And he gives this unique illustration by saying, you are now members of that household. The South has this down really, really well. Ever get into a Southern church and you'll find this out. You know, this morning it would have been, you know, well, we appreciate Brother Ryan doing the, being the lay leader this morning and Brother Colin doing that and, and Sister Sherry there. And it's his brother, sister, brother, sister, everybody's brother, sister, you know. Um, because they, they really adapt this thing and really dive into this thing. And I know if I tried to do that here, people would be like, uh, you know, that's a Southern thing. We're like a Midwestern thing, um, you know. But, but that's the analogy. The analogy is we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all part of, the, of a different kind of family now. That's why when, when we come in here, it's family. And it is an important idea in scriptures that the church is a family. And then he goes on to say this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Now all of a sudden he goes, not only is it a kingdom, not only are you part of a different kingdom now, not only are you part of a different family, but you are part of God building something now. You are part of a new kind of building and notice what he tells you about that. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Um, when we laid out this new building, um, you have to have a point by which you go off of. Everything hinges off of that point. And, and, and you know, they call it the cornerstone And if, if it's a stone building. Our point was back here in this corner, wasn't it? Everything kind of went off this corner. Um, so back here in that corner. So if everything's messed up, it's because of that corner, right? Everything came off that corner. All the measurements were taken. There was one standard by which when we set site elevations, everything went off of that, that site. Paul said, look, the church, Jesus Christ is the corner. He's the thing on which everything is, is, is orientated around. And then notice what he goes on. He says, you have the apostles and prophets as a foundation. Um, some people think this is Old Testament. I think it's New Testament. Um, it doesn't matter. The idea is that God has laid a foundation before us. So we don't have to put down a different or a new foundation. We have things that we can go back to that are solid, that have not moved for centuries. And he says, the pro with Christ as a cornerstone, and then notice what he says. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple and Lord. And he said, he's, Paul, I think, has in mind the temple at Jerusalem. Um, Herod's temple, the temple at Jerusalem, um, when Solomon built the temple, there's an interesting passage in the Old Testament. It talks about the idea that when Solomon built the temple, they didn't do anything on site. So like when the stones got there, they didn't cut the stones on site this, this, because they didn't want any noise in the area of God's dwelling place. Um, they wanted it to be a sacred place. So they would actually cut the stones and bring the stones in. Um, you can actually see some of the foundation stones during Herod's time of Herod's temple, when Herod did the temple. And here's, what you'll, here's what's amazing. Stones will be like the size of that whole section of wall, okay? And there'll be another stone brought in right next to it, and you can't put a piece of paper between them. They're that tight. And what Paul, I think that's what Paul has in mind here. He's saying, look, 
Not only did God make you part of a kingdom and make you part of his family, but God is in the process of fitting you into this thing that he calls the church. He is, notice what he says, you two are being built together to become a dwelling by which God lives by his spirit. In other words, it's the idea of not only did God, when God saved you, not only did God put you in a different kingdom, put you in a different family, but then God starts working in your life to find a place for you to fit absolutely perfectly in his plan and his purposes. He says, that's what God's doing for you. So with that in mind, let's talk about some, some, some applications, okay? Um, first application, um, with the idea of kingdom. Here's the thing. You need to understand that you and I are members of a different kingdom. We have a king that tells us what we should do. People who come to me and say, you know what, I, I'm a Christian, but I just believe I can do whatever I want to do. Then you don't understand Christianity. And I'm, I'm going to say this as nice as I can, I doubt you're a Christian. Because the Christianity the Bible talks about says, you don't get to do what you want to do. You are out to please your heavenly father and you are out to please the king. So you try the best you can to orient your life in, in the direction of what God says. It'll be a lifelong process. You won't arrive at the point until you die. And then you'll be like him, okay, as he is. The idea is this. The idea is that I realize my goal is to try to please my heavenly father. That's the goal for my life. And I want to do not what culture says is acceptable, but what my king says is acceptable. I have a different king. I serve a different king now. And, and my challenge for you is that in every area of your life, just like in area, every area of my life, that I look at it from the perspective of God's perspective and say, what does God want me to do? What does God want you to do as a father, as a mother? What does God want you to do as a employee or an employer? How, what kind of neighbor does God want you to be? What kind of person does God want you to be when you're at the checkout line and they flip on that little light that means that you can't check out right away? You know, I always start down this thing and I start thinking of stuff and then I convict myself and then, you know, you know, what kind of driver are you down the road? You know, as you go down the road, you know, my wife, my wife, she's like, you know, you just think that everybody else should listen to you and drive the way you think. And I said, yes, I do. Because nobody else knows how to do it correctly. Um, and, I, and I'm constantly, when I'm driving down the road, I'm constantly telling other people how they should drive. Okay, you know, and it, it drives her nuts. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where I'm sorry. I just think that's the way she, I told her. I don't know how many times I've said, you know what? They should let me issue licenses. And I should have the ability to revoke them at any time by pulling somebody over and saying, give me that. You just go park it. Um, but I mean, as a Christian, I, as a Christian, I need to do what God says and I need to be humble and realize that we're different and, 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 and it's hard, but it's a struggle for me in some areas like that. But the idea is this, God calls the shots, not me. Second idea is this, we're family. Um, I think one of the things that's so unique about this place and, and, and I think is so, so, uh, incredible, and, and I hear comments all the time about it, 
is the unique group of people that God has brought together here. In that we function as a family, sometimes a very dysfunctional family, but we function as a family. Um, you know, I mean, I look at this past week. Um, you know, I look at, you know, one email, one email, a couple of announcements. The next thing I know, we've got 20 plus people showing up to help get chairs unloaded. And we had, you need to understand, we had every age group here from little kids all the way to older people. Um, you know, we had a group come in on Thursday to clean the building. We had people out here cleaning up outside. We had uh, people serving yesterday um, for the funeral. We've had people dropping off meals. We've had people taking care of each other, checking on everybody, stuff like that. And, um, you know, yesterday with the funeral, I got a number of comments, you know, and people would, go, you know, people would say something to me, and I'd say, you know, I said, it's, it's just a unique group of people God has brought together here, and, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. And um, with, with the family comes all the stuff that comes with the family. You've all got the weird uncles and aunts. We've got them here. Uh, you know, you're like, ooh, who are they? Well, <laughs> um, you know, you know, um, you know, I mean, we've got, we've got, we've got, we, again, we've got everybody, but, but, but here's the thing. Here, I don't know why I went there, but anyway, here, here's the thing, okay? Here's the because people are going, is that what you think about? No, I didn't mention names, all right? Um, but, but I mean, here's the thing, though. I want you to think about this for a minute, because this is something I see happen in the church that bothers me. And, and I've been around enough to watch trends. And, and, and this is a trend that's bothering me. It, for some reason, we're starting to develop in, in Christianity and in churches this idea of being consumers. The church is about me. That, that, that's what I'm going to get out of it. And so if I don't like the music, I go to a different church. If I don't like, if I don't like the seating, I go to a different church. If I, if, I if I think they don't have enough windows, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Or, you know, you know, or all kinds of bizarre little things. You know, I call it flavor of the month, you know, where you just bounce around to whatever. And it's, it's more prevalent in the bigger cities than it is in rural areas, but it still happens here. But it gets this idea of this consumer mentality that it's about me. Okay, let's take the family analogy for a second. What would happen um, if everybody in the family, at the next family gathering, walked into the house with the concept of it's all about me? Well, I mean, what would happen? For instance, for the first time today, we're, we're going to actually have everybody over for first time in like three weeks. So... Let's say that when I go into the house this afternoon, everybody has the attitude of, it's all about me. So I go in and sit down on my chair. Jean goes in, sits down in her chair. Josh and Alex sit down. We just let Claire do whatever she wants to do. You know, Jimmy and Aaron plop down and go, you know, hey, look, you know, I just don't want to be a parent today. Um, and everybody walks in the house and says, it's about what I want to do today. It's all about me. Uh, well, first, first of all, what about dinner? <laughs> you know, well, everybody can get their own stuff. Okay, but maybe I do want to get something, maybe I don't want to get something. And then who's going to clean it up? Well, it's about me. I don't want to clean it up. Uh, what do you have if everybody takes the attitude it's about me? See, family is about pitching in. 
Family is about participating. Family is about being a part of something. Even if you don't want to, you still do it, you know. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of times that, you know, people, you know, my poor family. I mean, you've got to realize, I, and the older I get, the harder this is. Um, preaching just drains me. I mean, to, to like this crazy thing where it's like I, 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 I just crash, you know. And, 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 and what would happen if every time I, I looked at my family and went, you know, I, I'm just going to go crash. You guys do your own thing. I, I think of all I'd miss out on. Because you see, in participating, there is effort on your part, but there's also reward. And some of you have been burned in church, and I get it. You, you've got your walls up, and you don't want to, you know, I mean, you volunteered for something back in 19, you know, 60, and they put you in charge of it for the next 30 years at the church. I, I, I know how that goes. I get that, okay? But you have no idea what you're missing out on by not participating. You have no idea what you're missing out on by saying it's about me. And, and part of being a family means you join in and you participate that way. Okay? Paul says you are, you are part of a kingdom. You've got a new king. You're part, oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, you go, really? Yes. You know why? It means that there are little people growing into bigger people. Because um, you can go to a lot of churches right now, and there are no children around. We don't, we don't want that. You know, that's, that's not what we want. So anyway, so, and, and if you're like 40 or 50, just don't start crying out loud and, and, and making a lot of noise. But anyway, um, <clears throat> like, oh, I'll give you that if you want that. But I mean, here, here's the thing. It's the idea here of you're part of a new kingdom, you're part of a new family. And then here's what he says. God is shaping you and molding you to find a place to fit here. I can't stress how important this is. Because you have a unique set of you, of talents, gifts, abilities, whoever you are. And God has a plan where he can take your talents, gifts, and abilities he's given you and find a way for you to plug into the church and have a ministry and have a way that you can help and serve other peoples to be part of, part of the family that's part of his kingdom. And yet some of you are resisting that connecting because you're like, you know, well, I just don't know that I want to get that committed. Um, think about this for a minute. When we were bolting all this thing together, what if I would have looked at it and said, you know, I just don't know that those bolts are that important. You know? And we meet in here and I tell you, say, you know what? Um, here, here's a box of a thousand bolts that we decided not to use. And you're going, uh, I want to go meet in the old building. Um... Yeah, well, you don't know the story of the old building. Uh, but, but, I mean, really, you follow what I'm saying? It's that idea of, look, you connect it all together. You tighten it all up. Everything has a, a, a fit and a place for it. 
And there are no, and this is what Paul's going to argue in other passages, there are no unimportant or important people. It's everybody together that makes it strong, that makes it unique. It's everybody going, you know what, I can't do, I can't do much, but I can do this. It's, it, it's everybody doing those little things. Uh, is Bonnie here? Bonnie, I know Bonnie's here. Where'd Bonnie go? Where'd Bonnie go? Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie. Bonnie. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass her, and she can, she can yell at me later, but it's okay. <clears throat> Every piece of trim that you see in here got stained by her and the Dukes. They went, I, I can stain, I think. And I'm like, oh, yes, you can. You know, and they get, they'd be so proud because they get something done. And I'd go, oh, that looks awesome. And then I'd back up with a trailer with a whole bunch more of it so they could start all over again. But every door and everything, and they will tell you, they had a blast doing it. They will tell you that it was work, but it was fun. They will tell you that when they walk in and they see this, it was just, it's like, I'm so glad I got to do something. And yet, what would they have missed and what would we have missed had they not just said, you know what, I think we can do that. And so now it's like, hey, we got something to stain. I guess who I call, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, you got, well, you guys want to do this? Oh, that'd be great. You know, um, you know, poor, <laughs> poor Jess, he ended up the spray paint guy. You know, anytime we needed something spray can painted, it was like, it was like, oh, give it to Jess. Jess will, you know, and Jess, you know, because he would do a really nice job of it and take his time. And, you know, whereas... Me, I'm like, uh, we got to spray. Okay, put it up wet. Um, you know, it takes everybody doing their little part. It takes somebody making a phone call and saying, hey, so-and-so, um, you know, I just want you to know we're praying for you. Is there anything we can do? Can we help? I want to stop by and check on you and see how you're doing. It's everybody doing those little things. It starts to fit together, and God starts to build this incredible thing. And here's what's interesting. Then the world starts to notice um, I'm not going to embarrass about her story this week. It exactly illustrates exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, there's a couple of couples, two or three couples, went out to eat um, at a restaurant, and there was nobody there, and, and they got to talk about the church. That always makes me a little nervous when I hear that. Um, but they got to talk about the church in a good way, and, and so they're talking about church and talking about this kind of thing. And, and, and there was a waitress there, and, and she was, nobody else was in a restaurant. She overheard the conversation. And she walked up and she said, what church are you talking about? You know, and they told her and she goes, you know what? I've heard of that place. And they, and, and smart, I mean, it was brilliant. You know, they, they looked at him and said, well, you know what? You ought to stop by sometime. And if you can't stop by sometime, we got a service at the fairground in two weeks. You can come up there. And I thought, yes. Yes, the world's listening but we have to be willing to be a voice and say something and be out there because right or wrong, you know what a blessing it has been to you to be a part of this. Don't you think the world needs that? Don't you think the world needs the relationship with Christ that we have? Don't you think they need to have the family and the, and the unity and all of that? Let's share it with them. That's what Paul says. He says, look, you got to understand, God's put you in a new kingdom and a new family and he's building you up and he's making this incredible holy temple. 
that we call the church so that the world steps back and goes, you know what? They're goofy as all get out. But you know what? They care about each other. And I like the spirit. And I can't understand it and explain it. But you know what? There's something going on over there. I want to find out what's happening. That's our challenge. To not, to not come to church but to be the church in the community so that they see Christ in us. That's the challenge. And Paul writes to these people and he says, look, I want you to understand anymore, and you're going to see this a lot, it's not about Jews and Greeks. It's not about Jews and Gentiles. It's not about Greeks and barbarians. It's not about Romans and barbarians. It's about the church and this new group that you're a part of that is part of a different kingdom, that is part of a different family, that is part of a building that God's putting together so the world can see Christ. That's what God wants to do with us this week. So I want to challenge you. If you're not part of the kingdom, put your faith and trust in Christ. If you're part of the family and you kind of backed off a little ways and you just kind of want to come and kind of sit in your little chair and do that and try to get a little more engaged somewhere, you got a talent and a gift and ability, find somewhere where God can use it and it fits in for his kingdom. Because he didn't give you those, I mean, you know, we saw this yesterday at the funeral. One of the things with Nancy is, um, I guess the way I would say it is this, Nancy was a nurse. As a nurse, you're always nurturing. I mean, anyone who's a nurse, there's a special, there's a special, they have a special heart that God doesn't give to all of us, okay? All right, because they, they see people at their worst and, and care for them and try to meet their needs. And, and so there's a nurturing, compassionate attitude that has to come with being a nurse. And when Nancy couldn't be a nurse anymore, she found another way to do it. And so she did it through quilts. And the number of quilts that she made and the stories that I heard, story after story after story, of a way that she found to minister to people and, 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 and nurture them and help them by providing a quilt. Whether it be in memory of somebody or taking old shirts or even, even to the point of one time trying to make teddy bears for a family because she knew it would mean a lot to the grandchildren. You know, and I thought, that's what we need to do, all of us. You know, I, I, you know God didn't give me the ability to sew. You know, I, I, mean, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, but he did her, and he used her in a great way. Find your niche. Find the thing that God has for you to fit in and plug in somewhere and connect. And let God use you. So I end with this. I end with this idea. Paul writes to these people to help the believers understand that God has brought them together in a new entity that we call the church. He explains that it's a new kingdom and they're part of a new family and that God is building his temple to show the world his glory. We are encouraged to obey our king, to join in as part of our church family and connect our lives together so the world can see our church but really more importantly, they see our Christ.
Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's easy sometimes to make everything about us. Lord, it's easy sometimes to just simply be a spectator and not a participant. God, it's easy sometimes to be so focused on us that we kind of lose the the importance and the significance, Lord, of uh, plugging in and ministering to the people you put in our path. So, Lord, this week, I pray that you would help us, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts to that which you would have, that, Lord, we could encourage those around us and use us. And, Lord, when it is all said and done, may you be honored and glorified with our lives. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um,